desire to honor you. Your word says that you're worthy to be praised and we've come to praise you this morning. Lord, and at the same time, in the spirit of prayer, we lift up, Lord, the little country of Israel. The little country that's surrounded by enemies, oceans of people that hate them, Father. Hate them because of their faith in you. Lord, we know that they may be pressed at all sides, but they're not defeated. Because your promise, Lord, your hand is over that country, Father, over your people. Lord, we pray that you would keep them. Lord, that you would protect them, Father. Lord, you would provide for them, Father, that you would bless them, Lord, and that they would be used as a beacon of hope and light in these last days, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we dedicate the rest of this service to you. Have your way. Minister to us today. We want to leave changed. We want to leave restored. We want to leave on fire, Lord, because we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would do me a favor, would you take the hand of the person standing next to you? If you don't know exactly who they are, maybe introduce yourself real quick so they don't think you're weird. I just want to do what I feel absolutely led to do in this moment. When we were praying, taking care of all these needs down here in the altar, and as we were singing the songs, I got such a sense of, of the Lord being here today and wanting to touch your needs. I don't know what you came in the house with today, but I believe that God is specifically here to touch your needs. You might even have said in your own heart and your mind that you just absolutely need something today. And I, I don't know, maybe it's what Cameron's going to say here in just a few minutes. Maybe it's another song. But I believe that God is here to minister to you and to your situation. You might not have come down front or you might not even feel like maybe even being here. And you're just hoping that something's going to change I'm telling you, God's here today, and he wants to move and minister to your situation. If you would, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for those people on the left and the right of you, and I want you to pray about your situation. I also want to mention that, that yesterday we had a funeral for a young man who was 39, and he's, he's uh, the Brashears, the Brashear girls go here. It was, his, it was their uncle, and he passed away, kind of a tragic situation. We want to pray for their family and things today, and we want to pray for the needs that you bring. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, it's your plan to have this service today to move and to minister to hearts and lives. God, it's your plan to work. Lord, we know that we're not just here because of some religious duty, but you're awesome and mighty, God, and we pray that you would move in this house. God, that you would change situations that may be in families. God, maybe it's a health situation or finances, a struggle between friends. God, I pray that you would move in the name of Jesus and that you would minister, Lord, just like you want to do, just like you want to turn things around. God, I pray that that would happen now in the name of Jesus, that you would minister from the left to the right. God, that we would walk out of this place touched and changed, moving forward as your army. God, an example of your blessings and your work. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would have your way in this house. Lord, I pray that you would touch and minister in the Bersier family. God, help them as they went through this loss. We pray that you give them strength and encouragement. God, and just be with them in comfort, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we give all these things to you, Lord. We know that you want us to. And God, we trust you with everything that we're dealing with, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise and we give you honor, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, 
Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As you feel comfortable, you can grab a seat. Amen. I want to mention a couple of things to you really quick. Over the last few weeks, and as we are going today and next week, we have been focusing on the Family Foundation. We've had a lot of great services, and God's doing some wonderful things. And we've been talking about, about the attack and the struggle of, of that the family has inside the church and inside our local church. And we've been addressing those things, and God's been moving and giving us great words. And the pastor's been led to just share wonderful things with us. But I want to appeal to you today in a different way, and I want to talk about the families. Maybe they're the families that are connected to you, or, or maybe you don't even know them, but the families that are outside of this church, they're not here today, and, and maybe they've not even heard of our church, but the families that, are, that surround us in our communities and our extended families are attacked of the enemy just as much as we've ever been, if not more. They don't, they don't even know necessarily what they're even fighting and what they're going through. They're just attacked and, and torn down. We've been blessed and we've been focusing on families. But coming up in a, in a couple of weeks, on November 2nd, when we do the Family Fun Fest, we're promoting, we're reaching, we're loving, we're trying to get as many people here as possible. And, and I encourage you to invite everybody that you know. But we're wanting to minister outside of this church and a minister to a hurting community and people that are lost and, and don't have an answer and don't have hope. We want to invite them here that day. We want them to be blessed, have a great time with their kids and with their families. And we want to show them maybe a small glimpse of this wonderful, awesome God that we have and the hope that we have and the strength that he provides for our families. We want to bless them that day. We want to bless them that day, and, and I want us, maybe even as a, a tithe, so to speak, of your own efforts, the love that you have for your own family, I want us to turn our attention and say, what can we do for that day, and what can we do for, for those folks that will be here? We need just a, a few things that are going to pull off the day and make it a success. One of the things we need is candy. It might be the stupidest thing you've ever heard from me to say that, but I guarantee you that's going to make all the difference. When kids are running around here laughing and smiling and having a blast, man, their parents are going to have a blast, and it's going to be a good day. We need candy. We need cans of pop, Coke, and Pepsi products, and also we need uh, people to, to host a trunk for a trunk or treat. Basically, pull up in a parking place, open your trunk lid, decorate it like something, and stand there and pass out candy to kids. That's so simple. That's so easy, but it's going to make such an impression on all of our people that come that day. And we need people to sign up for these things and they can do it out there at the table as Liz said. And the other thing I wanna mention, two more things I wanna mention. Today when we take up the offering, it's gonna to go to Family Fun Fest. It's an investment that we are making in the local mission. And it's wonderful and we wanna to touch so many lives. And uh, it's a costly event, I will say, say just that much. It's a costly event, so we need to give and, and bless this event. The other thing I wanted to mention, as the pastor wanted to make sure you knew, he brought a, a need to you with the air conditioning. And the air conditioning and the heat, it's all connected together, so it affects us being cool in the summer and warm in the winter. And he brought this need to you, and we took up a special offering, and people pledged and gave money. And we want you to know that there is already $7,000 put towards the issues that we have with the heating and air that he brought to you. That's already came in. If you, if you remember back, 
he said that the total cost of replacing this entire unit that needs to be replaced was 17000 So we still have a little ways to go. If you are so inclined and want to pledge and give to the air conditioning and the heat, awesome. Write it on the tithing envelope and say this is what it goes to. If not, if you put your loose offering in the plate today, it is going to Family Fun Fest. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we honor you and thank you, Lord, that, that you bless us and that you give and that you provide. And God, we appreciate so much this church and the people that bless this local ministry. And we thank you, Lord, how you've blessed us with touching our families, with touching finances, with just doing so many wonderful things, God. Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to turn around and we're going to look outside of these four walls. And we want to bless our extended families and our friends and just people we don't know in the community. God, we want to minister to those people and give them the opportunity that they will be able to hear this gospel and, and see you maybe in a different way than they ever have. God, we pray that you bless our folks that give and bless the money that's given. God, that the, the whole experience and the whole event will be just perfect and be just what you've called it to be. And God, we thank you for those that give to, to the air conditioner and all those things. We thank you, Lord, that you provide so much. God, we pray that you would bless once again, our people, the offering, and our service today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.
something for me. I want you to lift both hands to heaven if you can this morning. And I want you to seek him. You know the Lord is, is holy. Every time they sing this song, my heart breaks and I'm humbled by the fact that the God that we serve, we did not choose him. He chose us. He loved us first, the Bible says. He came to us to save us and help us and strengthen us. The God that we serve, he's holy today. He's holy forever. He's eternally holy. And I want you just for a moment right here to honor this moment and ask the Lord. Ask the Lord right here to touch us and minister to us in this part as we move forward. Father, we love you. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory, Father. You're holy this morning, God. And we ask you this morning. We thank you, God. We thank you that you're the greatness in us, God. We thank you, God, that you're the, the light in our eye and the light in our life and the light in this world. And God, I pray today, God, as we worship you, that, God, that might shine, that light that's you. God, it might get down in us, and, God, it might explode, God, to this world. It might explode in our life, God, in every situation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you put your hands together and thank the Lord for his grace? As you're still standing, I want, you, I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 21. For those of you that brought your Bibles or your cell phones, I'm going to tell you something that just happened to me as we were singing that song. They were singing about the Lord and how He restores. 
singing about the power of his love and what Phil said was so good. But as I was worshiping down here, man, I felt God's presence. And I felt like in this service today and even maybe in that moment that God was doing a work of restoration. And this is what I felt like in my heart, that he was giving back somebody's peace of mind. He was restoring back to somebody what maybe they'd lost, maybe they've went through some things in their mind. I just, what I felt like in my heart, their mind had been tormented, but the Lord was restoring back to them peace of mind. And I don't know if that was you today, but I just want to confirm that to you and tell you today that that was God touching you. That wasn't just a song that touched you, that was the Spirit of God reminding you that He is your hope and He is your source and He is your life. Somebody help me praise the Lord today. I don't want to feel all alone up here. Thankful for that, storing that peace of mind to somebody today. I'm thankful for the, for, to the Lord for that. I want you to read with me Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. It said, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said he would. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. We could shout right there that the Lord, the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. But Sarah became pregnant and she bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And at the very time God had promised him, he always brings his promises about in his time, amen. And Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. And Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Father, we love you. Father, we praise you. We thank you, God, for a visitation of healing this morning, God. We didn't come, Father, for just a message. We didn't come for a ritual. God, we came to encounter a risen Savior. God, we came to experience you. And Father, I pray from side to side and front to back, we leave here changed, God. We leave here touched by your power, God. We leave here impacted by your grace. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated this morning. What an honor it is, let me say this, to be able to preach in a pulpit where Ray Phillips preaches in. Let me tell you, I don't have to say those things because I'm a youth pastor or whatever. I say them in private. But I'm thankful that we have a, a pastor that, that loves the Lord, hears from God. And I believe with all of my heart that God has his hand upon our pastor. And I'm thankful and honored that he would ask me to, to fill in for him this morning. I take that very serious. It's been in my prayers. I've been on my knees seeking the Lord because I know that this is a, a holy opportunity, a holy moment. And I'm thankful for that. He asked me, actually, uh, last week we got to celebrate um, with people being baptized and making their faith public declaring their faith in front of their church and, and committing themselves to Jesus Christ and it was an incredible day but two weeks before that if you were here the pastor began a message series called uh, Family Foundations and I was thankful for that because he talked about marriage and I joked with my wife now you guys just have to go with me because I joke a lot and all of that and I just have fun I'm not being serious but uh, the second message, one message she was out of town, and the next message she was in the nursery for the marriage, uh, the marriage message he did. So I went home that night, and I said, babe, you missed two really good messages. I'm going to buy you the CD. 
And she said to me, she patted me on the shoulder, and she said, the one that needed it was there. <laughs> I said, well, there you go. Touche, I guess. So I received it, and I believe I've been a better husband. You can ask her about that. But I've tried to be a better husband since then. The pastor searched far and wide to find an expert in raising families to speak this morning. Uh, but they couldn't come, so you got me instead. But I want to share tonight, or this morning if I can, to you a little bit about families and specifically raising families. Now, I know that some of you don't have children that are here today. I know some of you have already sent your children. They've already moved on, and they have children. Some of you are, are not married, and, and not, the thought of children has not come into your mind. But I prayed, and in my prayers and preparation for this morning, I asked the Lord to give me things that all of us could apply. The things that God has given me, and I feel like God's put in my heart long before I was a parent. I was an uncle to a 10-year-old boy, or he's 10 now, and I could apply these things to helping him and to loving him and to helping influence him and impact him for Christ. So I believe with all of my heart as we talk about raising the family or raising a family this, this morning, it's something that all of us can grab a hold of and all of us can, can use and all of us can apply to our lives and our prayer lives and our walk every day. So if you're ready, let's go. Let's go. This morning I wanted to specifically share with you, I wanted to specifically share with you about Abraham and Isaac. I wanted to specifically share with you and talk, if we can, about the story and life of Abraham in regards or where it applies to Isaac and how he raised Isaac. I want to point something out before we start today, this morning, something very important and something very vital that I believe if we don't get, if we don't get, then maybe we've missed the rest of it or somebody doesn't get this morning, then maybe all of the rest of it becomes irrelevant. I want to point out to you this morning that Abraham was not perfect. I know a lot of times we talk about Abraham and we share how he believed God, he obeyed God, he trusted God, he worshipped, he prayed, he offered sacrifices, he did all of these amazing things. God gave him a promise. We, we, we recognize all of the godly and amazing things that happened, but there's a lot in this Bible when you read it about Abraham that was off. There's a lot in this Bible and a lot of times as you study it out that Abraham made some choices and some decisions that were not good. Some of them affected his family and some of them are still affecting us and the world, I should say, and culture today. Abraham was not a perfect man, but yet, hear this, he's not a perfect parent, but yet, but yet he had a tremendously godly influence upon his sons and particularly Isaac. Even the son, as we talk about Ishmael, that he sent away. The Bible shares with us that when Abraham died, that, that Ishmael and Isaac were both there to bury their father. They were both there to honor them. They were both there because he had had such an influence upon them and a godly influence. I just feel like sharing that some of us that are parents today and some of us that will be parents at some point and some of us that are uncles and aunts, we are not perfect. And sometimes I know we make choices that may not be good, but can I tell you today that that does not relegate you 
to a failure. It does not relegate you to a place where you can't have an impact and you can't have an influence upon your children or whoever it is that you're guardian over, that you can't have a godly influence and an eternal influence in the next generation and the generation that comes after them and those that come after them as God tarries. That our perfect self and our perfect decisions are not ultimately what impacts our children. What ultimately impacts our children is our walk with the Lord. What ultimately impacts our children is our commitment and our consistency and our desire in our heart and the level of our giving that they notice. I want to point out to you a few things that Abraham did in his life that he got right that that I believe helped to contribute to this tremendous success of relationships and adding to adding to the next generation being Isaac. Number one, I want to tell you what we just read as we start from the beginning of Abraham and Isaac's life. I want to point something out to you that God gave Isaac to Abraham. And I want to tell you something today. I know that there was a supernatural plan already in place, that there was a promise and Isaac was to, to, to uh, the promised child and he brought Abraham out of where he was and ultimately into the land of Canaan and we know through Jesus Christ eventually that family line Jesus came and I know that there was a plan in place but can I tell you today that the children that that you have God has given them to you God has given them to you they could have been given to somebody else you could have had a you could your niece or your nephew or Whoever it may be, they could have belonged to somebody else, but God chose you to steward them. God chose you to raise them. God picked you to to show them his ways and to, to raise them up and to influence them. He chose you to do it. I don't know about you, but that sets me free a little bit this morning because maybe I'm a little more equipped than I thought. Because if God gave these two baby girls to me and I know I'm trusting him and I'm walking with him every day, then there might be something in me that he wants to get in them. There might be something in me that God can use to bless them and to equip them ultimately to walk in God's plan for their lives today. God gave your babies to you. And I want you to hear that and I want you to know that because that's so important. Proverbs 22 and 6 says this. It it says that, It says, raise up or train up a child in the way they should go. And they shall not depart from it. One reference, I should say, it's talking about God giving Isaac to Abraham. In Psalms, it says that children are a heritage from the Lord. In one context in the book of Psalms, it even calls them a a reward from God. It's something that God has given us and it's something that we need to be special special uh, in our approach to it and recognize that there's something that God wants to do. Another thing, not only did God give Isaac to Abraham, but something that Abraham did is he listened to God for Isaac. He listened to God for Isaac. When's the last time you spent your time in prayer for your children? I know you pray for them. I know everybody prays for their kids. Even unbelievers and people that don't believe in God sometimes. They, they love their kids. I know that. I know that they appreciate that. And I know that there's different difficulties and terrible things that happen in our world. But when's the last time as believers we prayed for our kids and listened to God for our kids? 
You know, a priest in, in the Old Testament would go to God. A priest would take up his sacrifice and his offering and he would go and he would talk to God for the people. But then in the Old Testament, there was also a prophet who would talk to the people from God. And I want to tell some of us parents that are in here today that, yes, the, the man's the priest of the home and all of those good things. I understand that and I know that there's order. But can I tell you today that, that you have been anointed and appointed to be a priest and a prophet to your children. That means that God can use you to pray for them and intercede for them. But God also can use you to speak to them from him. I don't know about you, but some of the, the, the godliest people I know had godly mothers that prayed for them. I'll tell you a story, and many of you maybe that are here, and many there might be grandmothers that are in here that were like this. A friend of mine was, was not living the way he should. He had actually magazines in his, in his uh, dresser drawer that he shouldn't have had. They were hidden from his mom, and he thought for sure he had opened the drawer and stuck them in there. This was way back. Hit them so he knew his mom wouldn't find them when she put his socks or his, his pants or whatever. She wouldn't find them. There was no possible way. And he said his mom went to praying like she does every night. She would pray and seek the Lord. And he said he could hear it. It would rock his, it would almost rock his, the, the walls of his house, the small house. She'd cry out to the Lord and praise God and thank God. And then she'd get real quiet. And he would be like, oh, <laughs> oh, uh-oh. We know what that means. And sure enough, she comes to his room and knocks on the door. And he goes, hi, mom. We were just praying. You know, we were just Seeking the Lord in here. You know, obviously he was lying to her. And she said, something's wrong. And she went and looked, and she kind of walked around the room. And so she walked back out, and he was like, ooh. She went back and began to cry out to the Lord, seek the Lord. And then she got quiet again, and he was like, oh. This happened again. She came back and looked, went back a third time, cried out, got quiet. The third time, she didn't even knock. She just came in the door, went right to the drawer, pulled the drawer out, grabbed those magazines, took them and put them in the fire, burned them. I want to tell you something today. That when we seek the Lord for our kids, we can hear from God for our kids. We can hear from God. God will speak to us if he's entrusted them to us. And I know that he may not always use you. And I know you may think that you're a teenager. If you're raising teenagers, we all know that, that that's just a, a punishment from, from uh, God himself. But you may think that your teenager's not listening to you, but I promise you, you are sealing and doing a work in them that God is using you to do. And God can speak to you about their cell phone. And God can speak to you about their laptop. And God can speak to you about who they're running around with and who they're hanging out with. And God can lead you and guide you and help you. The Bible says that, as I said earlier, it says that, that, um, it says that if you raise up or train up a child in the way they should go, then when they're old, they will not depart from it. Well, how in the world are they going to know the way they should go? How in the world are we going to know the way they should go? Is the way they should go to just come to church and drop them off? No, I believe that there's something greater. There's something more powerful that God wants to do in the home. He wants to use us to impact and influence our children for eternity. I want to tell you that when I held, when a, about five years ago, I was the greatest parent on earth. My daughter's four. You can do the math there. I thought I knew a little something. 10, 12 years of youth ministry. A hard head myself as a teenager. I could handle anything. I knew what I was talking about. I would instruct my sister on her children. 
at the, at the table. I mean, I was smart. And then one day, Whitney gave birth to a, a six-pound, 21-inch baby with a, a huge head and a skinny body. And they put her in my hands. And I held her, and I realized I didn't know a thing about parenting. I was scared to death when she cried. I told you guys this uh, last time I preached. When she cried, I, I gave her to the nurse because I thought that was the nurse's job. She did her diaper business, and I did not think we were paying for the hospital. I figured at least the nurse could change it till we left. I did not know how to do that. I did not know how to parent when she cried in the middle of the night. Y'all that were here before, I was here about 10 years ago. I had a full head of hair. The first three years of Blakely's life, it all fell out. And now you, look, you, see, you see what I'm stuck with today. I didn't sleep. I didn't know what to do. I just prayed all the time. And normally I prayed as I was falling asleep because I was so tired. Right? It's a challenge raising children. Something that we have to give to the Lord. But I sought the Lord for her. I asked the Lord to speak to me for her. And I remember one night, another night, where I had to run to the, to the pharmacy and get some sort of medicine. And I said, Lord, just please use this baby, God. Please, God. I pray that you'd protect her. I don't know about you. I have to give it to the Lord. This is fearful times to raise a child in, I'm just saying. And the Lord told me one day as I was driving that he was going to use her to bless the kingdom of God. And ever since then, I've waged war according to that. I've tried to raise her according to that and tell her that often. Every day I look at her and I look her in the eyes and I do this with the young one, but most of the time she just wants to stick her finger in my nose. But anyways, the four-year-old, I look at her and I say, I love you and I'm proud to be your dad. You're anointed. And you're talented, and you're beautiful, and God has a great plan for your life every day. I want her, when she gets older, to be able to recite that. And it's not because I'm a preacher. It's because Jesus Christ saved me, and I want her to see Jesus Christ and the hand of Jesus Christ on my life. I don't want her to know church. I want her to know Jesus because when she knows Jesus, then church is automatically going to be an instrument of worship and an instrument of service and, and a place where she, she loves God's people and God's things, but she can't do that without loving Jesus. I want her to see Jesus in me. Praise God. One thing, another thing that Abraham did with Isaac is he trusted God with Isaac. And one of the more peculiar stories, to be honest, in the Bible, and one of the more difficult, if we could put on our, off our super spiritual self for a minute, this is a difficult story in reality to deal with. Genesis chapter 22, where the promised son, Isaac, God asked of Abraham for Abraham to bring him up and offer this child as a sacrifice. Difficult for me to wrap my mind around it. I know that this was symbolic, and I know that one day, ultimately, many scholars believe the same mount that he took the baby or he took his child up to to sacrifice was the place where Jesus was crucified. And it was an example, a metaphor, or not a metaphor, but it was an example of what would happen to Jesus Christ when God the Father gave up his only son. I recognize all of that. We can talk for days about that, but, but let's come back to just being human for a second. That's very difficult to wrap your mind around. For God to ask for a child to be sacrificed, but you'll read in the Bible something that Abraham got right. 
The Bible said that he did not even argue with God. He woke up the next morning, prepared things, and took his son up to this mountain. The Bible tells us, and, and I'm sure if we could laugh for a minute, I would have been kind of looking around when, when Abraham, my father, would have said, we're going up to offer a sacrifice, and you're looking for a sacrifice, and you don't see it, and you get up there, and there's the altar, and you're looking as, as Isaac would have been, where's the sacrifice? I don't know, the Bible doesn't record what happened, but at some point, he put Isaac on the altar and restrained him. And he began to obey God, trusting God. He lifted his arm up to sacrifice and obey, and an angel grabbed him and stopped him. And he provided, the Bible says, a ram in, in the wickets. A ram was in the bush. He revealed that to him. He said, I want you to sacrifice him. and Put him on the altar. Can I tell you something that's not cliche, that's true? When you can't see the hand of God, you can trust the heart of God. You may not be able to see God working and moving in your child's life, but you've been doing what you're supposed to be doing. You've been honoring God. Oh, I feel that in my heart right there. You've been obeying God. You've been trusting God. You've been giving your child to God. You've been doing what God said for you to do. And you don't understand why it doesn't seem like there's a breakthrough. But I came to tell somebody today that the angel wasn't stopped. He wasn't finished talking when he stopped him and told him that there's a sacrifice in the wickets. The Bible said that he stopped him one more time and had one other thing to say. And this is what he said. But because you did not withhold your son from me, I will surely bless you. Because you kept praying and because you kept believing and because you kept planting seed and watering it and you kept doing what you knew to do, trusting me with them and, and giving them over to me, you may not have seen the harvest, but because you did not withhold them from me. I know some parents that have given up. Nobody here today, I'm sure. I know some parents that have quit. I know some parents that have done the best they can. And now, if I can say this, I'm not trying to be mean. But now they use these scriptures. Well, you train them up in the way they should go, and they'll not depart from it. And God's word never comes back void. They use those scriptures, but they're not using them as an offensive weapon. They're not using them as the sword of the spirit. They're not using them in faith and trust and belief. What they've done is they've just totally let go. What they've done is in their discouragement. What they've done is in their planting and their working and raising of their child. Things maybe didn't go the way they thought. And what they did is they just let them go. They just, and they didn't let go and let God. They didn't do that. They just basically gave up on them. And now they're just hoping. Can I tell you something? In Jesus Christ, the word of God does not come back void. And if you'll get the word of God in them and they'll see Jesus Christ in you, then you can trust and believe that when times get tough and they get to looking and they get to searching, they're going to go back and they're going to say, there was somebody that my dad used to talk about. There was somebody that my dad used to live for or that my mother prayed, prayed every night to. There was somebody. And I need that. I need that person. I need that peace of mind. When my mother went through it and I thought she'd lose her mind, but he restored peace of mind. In a service on October 19th, I could see a difference. I want that. I need that. He did not withhold his, his child, his son. He trusted God with Isaac, and he made hard choices to protect Isaac. Genesis 21, verse 6 through 14. 
shares with us that Isaac had made a mistake. He had listened to bad advice and made a bad choice. He had had a, a child that was not the promised child. He was Ishmael, as we talked about. And his wife, Sarah, had become upset with how Ishmael was treating Isaac. She came to him and she said, you have to send them away. They're not a part of the promise. You need to send them away. And it troubled Abraham because he loved Ishmael all the more. Or anyway, I should say, even though he wasn't the promised son, he loved him. And it troubled him and he didn't want to do it, but God visited him and he said this. He said, go on. He said, let them go. Let that go. I'll keep my hand on them. I'll, I'll bless them. I'm still going to use them. I'm, they're not the, the promise. They're not the promise, and they're not ultimately where salvation is going to come through, but I'm going to make them a nation. So Abraham obeyed God. He made a very difficult choice, but it protected, it protected Isaac. Can I tell some parents in here today that might be wrestling with choices they need to make in their own home today? That fear, that fear is never a basis for choice making or decisions and raising your children. I had a pastor friend of mine. He came to me and his 14-year-old girl, she was just, her attitude was terrible. It was terrible. He was broken about it. He recognized it. He knew that she needed a come to Jesus meeting, about eight of them, for God to help her before he helped her. He told me, he said, I just don't know what to do. He said, because I, I don't want to jump her case and I don't want to push her away. I don't want to just force her to do these things and force her to do that because I don't want to push her away. He, and he, he got big tears in his eyes and he said, I, I, I remember when she was seven, she'd crawl up in my lap and she'd kiss me on the forehead and she'd say, I love you, daddy. He said, it made my world. He said, I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize that. How many of us as parents, we've been in that place? Do I push or do I let go? Can I tell you that always our motivation should be to protect our kids? Our motivation should always be no matter how difficult the decision, how difficult the choice, how hard they may act towards you at the time and how angry they may act at you at the particular time that you've made this choice. You know in your heart, I feel that right there. You know in your heart that you made that choice. Maybe that's peace of mind for somebody that's here today. That you know in your heart you made the right choice. Somebody needs to sleep good tonight knowing that they made the right choice. And even though their kid is wound up, and even though their kid is upset, and even though their kid may be angry right now, ultimately it's going to bring about a harvest in their life. Possibly an eternal harvest. Some of us, there's some things in our past that we need to let go of, we need to make the difficult choice to let go of because it's affecting the future of our children. When I prayed last night in my basement, I shared that a little bit this, this morning, but, but when I prayed in the basement last night, Richard, this service is where God prompted me with that. That there were some things in our past that we've wrestled with there were some things in our past that have kept us from, from properly focusing, properly, whatever it is, making difficult choices for our kids. And I want to tell you today that you can trust God in letting go of that past. That you can trust God in letting go of those things. And I'm not telling you today like to send off a, 
children or anything like that. I'm not saying that today. That's obviously not my heart and where I'm going. But there's some of us that have some relationships and there's some of us that have some guilt and there's some of us that have some shame and some of us that are still trying to fix something that's been broken and will never be fixed and we're still feeling the guilt and the shame of that, trying to fix it and it's affecting our children today. Our focus is not upon them and our focus is not upon those that God gave to you but it's upon those that, that have walked away from you. And we need to put our hope and our focus on the future of our kids and make difficult choices that may be painful to invest, to invest the next thing I wanna share, to invest in, in Isaac's future is what Abraham did. You read in the Bible that, that he left everything the Bible says to Isaac. He left everything he had to Isaac. Now let me tell you something today, I'm, this isn't a, a message about getting your will in order so that you can leave something behind for your kids. Not necessarily, even though that's a good thing, but we know the world even does that. It doesn't make a difference ultimately in impacting our kids for eternity and leading forward in their life. But the Bible says that he gave gifts to his other children that he had. You can read about an imperfect man. But he left everything for Isaac. My grandfather, my dad, is the youngest of 10 children. He's 65. So he has an older sister that's 90. He has a niece that's two weeks younger than him. We always laugh when we go to family deals because she doesn't know what to call him, so she just calls him James Allen. She doesn't want to call him uncle because they're the same age. But they grew up ten to a home. And they grew up over the railroad tracks, if that's even a saying anymore. I don't even know. But they had a small house. I think he slept with like all of his brothers slept in one room, all of his sisters, and then his parents had a room. And they had a kitchen and but his dad, my grandpa, we called him Granddaddy Bill. I only met him one time before he passed away, I think when I was like four. But Granddaddy Bill worked at, at the city gardens, and they called him Edisto Gardens in Orangeburg, South Carolina. My dad used to tell me that he was embarrassed to go anywhere with him because he was so dirty. He was always in the garden, and he always had his work clothes on. So when he'd show up to his games, he wouldn't tell people it was his dad. He was ashamed because he was a kid and didn't understand that this was a great man that was working so he could eat. Obviously, that's, that's a good aha uh -huh moment right there, amen, for teenagers to hear that. But he used to tell me that, that when he died, that Granddaddy Bill left him. He left his children everything, 10 children. He said he got a check in the mail for $300. And that paid for his plane ticket to go to the funeral. We lived in Arizona at the time. And we laughed and we joked about that and how hard he worked. But he said, you know, my dad may not have left me all of these monetary things and resources and materials and all of these things, you know. We didn't fight for those. We didn't care about those. He said, what my dad left me changed my life forever. He left me everything. He left me as I grew up. I realized that he worked just to put food on our table. I realized that he left me an example, a godly example of how to love your wife. He left me a godly example of how to love your children and raise them to, to love God. And he, he showed me an example of how to love the church and take care of the church. He showed me an example of how to live for God. He showed me an example of all of these things, how to go through tough times, but trust God to bring the meal on the table he left all of these things to me, and I am forever changed. I don't know about you, but, but are you investing in the future of your children? 
Are you investing in their future? Kids notice what you give. You know that, right? They never forget you taking them to soccer practice. They never forget you taking them to the movies. And at the time, they may be snot-nosed and think they deserve it. But as they grow up and as they get older, they remember all of the selfless things that you did. But they also remember all of the selfish things that we did. They also remember a father or a mother or an uncle or a grandfather that didn't really care to give anything. They felt like they were the blessing to their children and their children not the blessing to them. They stayed on their phone. I just feel like saying that. I don't even know why. Time they could have been spending with their children imparting to them, they're on their phone. The time they could have been spending and imparting to them good things. What do children spell love? They spell love T-I-M-E. Could have been taking their kid to Kings Island, but instead they chose to work overtime, not because they needed it, but they just didn't want to be at home. They didn't want to be there because it was stressful. I wonder if we realize today that we are imparting a future to our kids. And I don't know about you, I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm imperfect. But I want my kids to know that my life was lived to push them into their future. That my life was lived to push them into their generation. That my life was lived to push them into their destiny. Because I believe, I used to think that, that I had a destiny to preach and I was going to travel the world. And then I got married and for the longest time, I, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I realized finally in prayer one day, God revealed to me, I, I haven't taken your ministry from you. He said, I've just redirected it. See those two babies and that wife? He said, love them like I love them. Share with them and teach them. I couldn't go and travel because I had to be at home, you see? And I finally realized one day that that's the greatest blessing. I'll give up anything, or I need to give up anything I have. And this is a question that I want to challenge you with. Is there anything that you won't do to ensure the salvation of your children? Is there any job that you would quit, or not quit, I should say, if you quit that job and it meant that you would surely, your kids would surely be saved and walk in their destiny and walk in obedience to God, would you quit that job? Maybe some of us that are single parents today that are trying to pick up the pieces and we feel lonely and we feel so hurt and we feel like we just don't know where to go and we're doing the best we can. Maybe there's a relationship that you're in that if God was to visit you and God was to speak to you and say, you know what, you need to let go of that relationship because if you let go of that relationship, it will bring salvation to your kids. Would, be, would we be willing to give up that relationship? Does that make sense today? I hope it does. Is there anything that we won't do to ensure that our kids are saved one day? Because if we can't answer that question, I think that there's some time in prayer that we need to, to spend in my own life. If I can't answer that question with a whole heart and sincerity, truth, Yes, or, or no, whatever it is. Answer, no, I'll give up anything to ensure their salvation. This is what I want to share with you to end. Stand to your feet with me today. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1 through 7. Abraham tries to find a wife for Isaac. We know in this culture that doesn't work. 
Parents still try that. This culture that we live in today that doesn't work. But he, he wanted to find him a wife and he went to his homeland where Abraham had come out of. Hear me. Abraham had come out of there because God had told him to come out, come to a land, the, the Canaan land. That's where I'm going to bless your people and that's where I'm going to multiply your people. But he told his servant, he said, I want you to go back to my homeland and from my relatives, I want you to find a wife. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> I want you to find a wife. And, and here's what he said to the servant, or the servant said, he said, what if that wife doesn't want to come back with me to here? He said, then she's no good. He said, don't get her. That's not the one that God has for her because my son cannot go backwards. My son can't go back to where I came from because he's taking us somewhere. God has something that he's doing in me, and if he's doing it in me, then there's a reason. He wants to do it in the next generation, and the generation after that, and the generation after that. Do not let that girl come, or, or do not take my son. She's not the right one because he's not, he's not going backwards. He's going to walk in the blessing that's forward. He's going to walk in the anointing that's forward, that's ahead of him. So don't pick her. She's not the right one. I want somebody, and God's going to lead us. God's going to help us to find somebody that will come here and move into his future and push him and propel him into his future. And he found a beautiful wife. God took care of him today. Bow your heads. Close your eyes with me today. Thank you for listening. I pray with all of my heart that something struck you, spoke to you, helped you. I pray that every parent that's here, maybe if they're old, you'll call your children as soon as you leave. Tell them how much you love them. You're praying for them. Anything you can do for them, you're there for them. Even hurt feelings and emotions. But I want to tell you something today with every head bowed, every eye closed. We cannot raise children. We cannot point our children to good things. You could have all the cars and the houses and leave them millions of dollars. And it be all for nothing that Jesus Christ is not the center of your life and the source of your strength, the author of your salvation. If you're here today, it's not by chance. It's not by chance. God brought you here today. And I feel like there's somebody here today that God is saying, I just feel this right here, that, that you're a great parent, that you're a great parent, but God brought you here to be a better parent that God brought you here today to, to embrace Jesus Christ and to follow Jesus Christ. That everything you give them without Jesus is nothing. They could love you and respect you, but if we did not impart to them Jesus Christ, then eternally, eternally what have we done? Every head bowed, every eye closed, right here, I'm done, I'm done. Today, maybe there's some that are here that aren't parents yet but you know you need Christ. Maybe there's some that are here today that are parents. Maybe there's some here today that are grandparents and you realize that, that, that this has just been all wrong. I need Jesus. I want to start over today. I want you to slip your hand up right where you are, all over the building, all over the building. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for those two hands today. Anybody else? Anybody else? Three hands. Thank you. Thank you, young lady. Amen. Amen. I want the church to pray this prayer with me as you leave today. Would you, would you pray with me from your heart today? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. 
Forgive me of my ways. I confess you as Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross to save me from my sins. And you rose on the third day to justify me eternally. God, I ask you to use me to be a light to this world, to my family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank the Lord this morning? Amen. That's probably the best message I've ever heard in my life that had to deal with children. It's just wonderful. Let's give it up for Cameron for bringing the Word of God this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to let you out of here. Have a wonderful afternoon with your family. Talk to your kids like Cameron was mentioning, and we'll see you back here at 6 o'clock. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your words. God, that you've given us, Lord, our kids are like the greatest blessings that this world has, has ever seen. God, we thank you so much for blessing us, Lord, with the words and with your direction and your love for us and your love for our children. Lord, we pray that you just protect us and be with us as we go from this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You are dismissed. If you are part of the Ruby's Ministry Circle, Ladies Ministry Circle, Rubies, you're getting your picture taken today. You'll meet out under the portico here in just a few moments.